Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Does an orthopedic condition or sports injury have you sidelined? Make your comeback with GW Hospital Sports Medicine. We offer services from neck to toe, including care for shoulders, hips, knees, ankles, and hands. Plus, we're the official health care partner of GW Athletics, the DC Furies, and the DC Revolution. Get back to doing the things you love. Learn more at gwhospital.com slash sportsmed or call 888-4-GW-DOCS. Physicians are not employees or agents of this hospital. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your host from SteelersDepot.com where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora, always lit, talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 13, Episode 108. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here this Friday, Steelers Nation. Quick heads up, Dave and I are recording this on Thursday night. So as always, any breaking news on Friday morning, which at this point you can almost expect with the way the Steelers offseason is gone, um, just a heads up, we will not have that covered. But we have a couple important things to cover today. Dave, two new Steelers have been added to this roster. Yeah, and uh, still got the Bud Dupree hang- thing hanging around. He uh, evidently came in for a visit on on Thursday there, so we'll see what transpires. He, I guess he went and got a physical, and I guess last report is they hadn't talked contract or anything like that. But uh, yeah, while while waiting for <laughs> something to happen around there, we got uh, two new defensive guys uh, uh, to talk about, and uh, another kind of busy day on the pro day. Uh, circuit and I think a couple more pre pre draft visitors or at least guys that they're talking to uh, uh, going going to take place uh, ahead of the draft here. They say these things come in threes. We'll see if Dupree becomes that third. But the first two that have been signed, according to agent David Cantor, they are uh, safety slash linebacker Keanu Neal, former first round pick. Pittsburgh loves their pedigree and nose tackle. Uh, Brendan Fahoko, uh, both signing contracts. Neil, a two-year deal. Don't know terms on Fahoko in terms of length. I imagine that's one-year deal for essentially the minimum. Don't know numbers on Neil either, except for the fact that it's two years. But those are the signings off the top. Keanu Neal and Brendan Fahoko. Uh, is it Brendan or Brayden? Uh, Brayden. I think I'm saying yeah. that incorrectly. Brayden. Oh, okay. It's spelled a little bit weird there. So yeah. Sorry about that. But Brayden Fahoko. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Uh, the interesting thing with the I, look, we said that if they're probably going to add, they're probably going to add another safety on the cheap and and possibly, uh, you know, somebody in the middle. Right. And uh, obviously, along with we'll see what happens with with, with Bud Dupree and, you know, they're cut. They, they continue to cover up, you know, some holes, you know, uh, in this roster uh, ahead of the uh, ahead of the draft. Uh, which one do you want to start on first? The, the, the Keanu Neal with the two-year deal makes me kind of wonder if this, uh, I wouldn't expect this to be more <clears throat> more than the Casey deal, but it could be a carbon copy of it, right? 
Yeah, we'll have to see. Uh, I'm going to imagine Pittsburgh's going to play him at safety. I mean, he's basically a box guy. And two years ago in Dallas, he was being used as essentially a linebacker. And so he is really, you know, the closer he is to the line of scrimmage, the better. He's really physical. I remember him coming out of Florida, fierce, big hitter. He was Just a hammer. Kind of that, <laughs> yeah, like that classic box dude. Pittsburgh had interest back in 16, had a pre-shot visit with him. So no surprise, Pittsburgh circling back so i think he'll probably play more of that actual true safety role in pittsburgh he was more of a safety last year in tampa bay than he was in 21 with dallas but he is that Edmonds box guy dimebacker i think the numbers you had was uh, like 40 percent of the time he was in the box either last year or two years ago Edmonds last year was 35 percent. so um jerry dulak's reporting this is viewed as depth not a starter but i think in terms of uh where they play Edmonds and neil are pretty similar i think Edmonds more athletic at this point, um, could play in space a bit more, you know, functionally than what Neil can, but they are boxers, box guys. They are downhill type hitters. Have you had a chance to watch much of them? I watched one game. I really haven't. I was working on Fahoko. Josh Carney okay. of Steelers Depot has an article up uh, live right now on Neil, but I just know about the background of Connor kind of followed his career. Some obviously you know, watched him quite a bit whenever he came out of Florida. I don't think he's changed too much. Again, he's kind of become that, uh, still missile, but pretty limited. It's not going to have range and somebody that's got to play, you know, I would say within five to seven yards of the line of scrimmage. Yeah, look, uh, I watched the week, I think it's 16 game against the Saints. Uh, one of his graded out, uh, uh, according to PFF, is one of his better games uh, last year. That's the game, too, that he had the uh, uh, pass breakup at the end of the game on on Taysom Hill. Uh, from kind of a middle of the field, you know, deep safety uh, position there that, that, you know, essentially uh, there was only one other kind of Hail Mary or trick gadget play, you know, uh, after that there, but it was a big breakup uh, in that game. Uh, That game as a whole, uh, he moved around a lot. You know, he was in the box. uh, He was up uh, on the line of scrimmage. I mean, he he, he was uh, deep. Uh, used sometimes in too deep capacity, single high capacity in that game. Uh, He was also uh, used closer down to the line of scrimmage, mostly on top of the tight end and and, and that kind of thing there. Uh, I thought overall in that game, uh, he played well. I understand why it probably did grade out as as one of his better games uh, last season. But uh, the, the big takeaway, at least I have from that overall, is the fact that they moved them around a ton. Once again, a lot of, you know, using some, some too deep safety looks uh, used in uh, some him, him kind of some single high set settings and then down low and in the slot as well, too. Uh, he's a still a very willing tackler, uh, uh, which was, you know, his MO coming out, obviously. Uh can can run with some you know w- with the tight ends they had on the field for the for the Saints he was able to seemingly uh, run with them okay uh, uh, good at uh, backside chasing down the run and that kind of thing uh, one instance of him uh, slipping through a tight end uh, tackle to come up with uh, with a play I believe on 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 Taysom Hill when he was I think Wildcat uh, in that so uh, out in space overall I mean you probably you're probably not going to make too much of a habit of 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 uh, playing him you know in a deep single high type setting but he can mm-hmm. do it you know uh, he's got enough experience throughout the league to do it but I, I I'm with you I think this is more of a uh, the closer to the 
closer to the line of scrimmage you can get him, uh, the better. I think occasionally you can you can use him also with some tight ends, you know, and and and, and covering them uh, that way. There uh, didn't see really any any egregious stuff where where it comes to you know tackle misses. Although I think he does have did have a few of them uh, last season overall. Let me see if I can find the numbers here. Uh, overall, looks like they have him down for uh, 12 missed tackles. Uh, he didn't have any in the game that I watched against the Saints. Three of his missed tackles probably need to go back and watch that game against Baltimore in week eight because that he had three of them in that game. He also graded out uh, one of his lower graded games for when it comes to like you know, uh, a lot of snaps that he, that he played in that game. Uh, he, he, they used them in different, different ways. I think overall, cause you get, you see some games like in the game against Baltimore, I just mentioned he played 76 snaps in the game against the Steelers. Uh, he played 64 snaps in San Francisco, 63, the game I watched against the saints, he played 57. And then there's games. I don't know. Was he banged up a little bit last year? Uh, he played in all 17, but he may okay. have gotten hurt something in game. That style doesn't lend itself to, you know, always staying on the field, that hard hitting mentality. Right. Early in the season, weeks two and three, maybe they had injuries that which precipitated him kind of having to play because in, in weeks two and three, he played two snaps on defense, one snap in, against Green Bay. Uh, and then weeks 16 and 17, he played nine and five, uh, respectively. In the middle of the season, it seems where he, where he got most of his you know, overall burn there. But, uh, I mean, you know, I think obviously his, his, his best days are behind him, but I mean, I like the fact that he's still willing, uh, uh, tackler willing to move forward to line of scrimmage and take on, you know, those big tight ends and those kind of things. And, you know, it seems like with his versatility, be able to move all over the place. It gives the Steelers an option to move them around a little bit if they need to. I know it's just the one game you've seen so far, and maybe the snaps were a bit limited, but in the plays where he aligned in space, deep half, post, whatever the case was, did he look like he could hold his own out in space? He really wasn't targeted uh, uh, much out in there. Now, there was the one, I think, uh, closer to the red zone where he had uh, one of the tight ends coming out on kind of a, a, a short dig, and he, he had to carry him across the field. Uh, I think it was Taysom Hill, and and I think the quarterback extended the play with the with with Hill running away from him, and that pass was completed, but uh, he cleaned it up uh, before Hill got into the end zone there. So uh, overall, I think he was, and in fact, I think they have him uh, showing as he was targeted three times in that game, gave up two receptions. Uh, for 13 yards uh, overall. He did have a pass breakup that I mentioned in that game, and that was on the second to last uh, play on 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 uh, uh, on that pass to Hill there. So didn't really get a over a great view of him being really targeted in coverage. Okay. I mean, I know in Tampa Bay, he kind of went back to safety. He was playing more slot space, more safety role than Dallas, where he was basically like a pure linebacker. Um, I do know he's had injuries and he's bounced back and he's been able to play, but he's had a torn ACL. He's torn his Achilles. And so now Pittsburgh has two safeties that have torn Achilles in their history and DeMonte Casey and Keanu Neal. Now he's again bounced back and seems to be able to at least play, you know, at what level again, he's kind of become more of a, a, a phone booth elevator type player, but it is worth pointing out as you're mentioning, he did wear a lot of hats last year in Tampa Bay, but 
from what I've heard from some Bucks fans, and it's just kind of what I've casually seen and known about Neil. He's not a guy that you want to count on to be covering and playing in large amounts of space. Right. I, I would agree with that from, of course, from what I've seen uh, so far in this. And I haven't even had a chance to look at uh, what 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 Josh Carney looked at so far. Did he do the Saints game or no? I'll try to pull it up here as we talk. I'm not entirely sure what games that he looked at, but uh, you guys can check out the article. It's sticky at the top of the page. All right. Uh and we'll see what the contract says and all, but I mean, this just gives you another uh, kind of versatile player, you know, overall, if you, if you need it. Yeah. Last year, he signed a one year, $1.2 million deal with Tampa. I imagine it's going to be a similar number this year with Pittsburgh. Okay. Now, do you think what role could he have? Is he guaranteed to make the team to your deal kind of suggests, okay, mm-hmm. odds are he's going to make this thing. Um, where is that fit? I mean, are they going to still draft a safety? You think that door certainly still open? I don't think he only was going to shut the door on safety at any round, even at, at 17. So what's the outlook on him and his role? I mean, look, uh, I, I think, uh, this, he's the inside track to be your starting strong safety right now, you know? Okay. Do you think, I don't think it prevents you from addressing it in the draft at all. Okay. So when, because Jerry Dulac said depth, not starter, but you do wonder who is a strong safety right, right. now if it's not Keanu Neal. Right. That 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 would be to be determined from, from here on out, see what they add or anything at this point. But I would think that he, uh, from, for what they have on the roster right now, uh, he would he would be your best option. Yeah. I mean, could it still be, yeah, I kind of downplayed the idea, but it's a, a DeMonte Casey. If Casey gets paid more than Neil, is Neil going to start over him? I mean, they, I think there's some different skill sets in terms of the body type, but, you know, there's still a lot to to wade through here. Right, right. Uh, or you can mix and match them, you know? Yeah, there's versatility, especially with uh, with Casey. Um, again, I think ideally he's at 60B that kind of covers for the versatility that Cam Sutton brought, but we just have to, to wait and see. But, uh, you know, not mad about the Neil... Uh, addition. I think it fills a very specific need that this team uh, had whenever it lost Terrell Edmonds. But again, the door's still open on a safety as early as 17. I think Casey gives you the ability to make more plays further away from the line of scrimmage. Uh, I think uh, Neil, especially with his linebacker background and all, and, and you know the player he was coming out of college, uh, he's best suited to play downhill closer to the line of scrimmage. 100%. I mean, last year, Edmonds was basically in, in sub packages and dime packages, the dime backer, where he was literally playing within five yards of the line of scrimmage. Casey became the free safety and would, would uh, rotate with Minka. And so whenever Casey got back and got healthy post by, Edmonds was basically in that dime backer role. I could see that as being the role for Neil in third and seven plus. Um, you still have Holcomb on the field. So Holcomb would be one inside backer, but uh, next to him, uh, I think you could have like a guy like Keanu Neal down in the box that covers tight ends, occasionally blitzes, takes on backs, you know, tackles close to the marker because he can't tackle. Be interesting this, if this ends up being a two-year, $6 million deal, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll have to see. I think it's going to come in below that, but it is two years. And I don't know, it's, gonna, it's not going to be two years, $2.3 million. I think it's going to be a little bit of money in his pocket, but we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, maybe anywhere between two for four or two for six, somewhere like yeah. that. Hopefully we'll get numbers by uh, Monday's podcast. And so the other signing here in Braden Fahoko, I apologize for saying Brendan earlier. I was listening to Coach O try to pronounce his name, and that's probably a bad choice on my part to get my pronunciation skills from Coach O at LSU. And so it is uh, Braden 
Uh, Fahoko being signed here again, don't know terms, probably a one-year deal that spent the last three years uh, with the Los Angeles Chargers undrafted free agent, first at Texas Tech and then transferred to LSU. Have the film room up on him as well. Um, he's a nose tackle. He's a classic run stuffer athletically. There's really nothing there as a pass rusher. There's nothing there. Um, as a run defender, he's not great, but it is some experience depth in the middle. Yeah, it looks like he played, uh, including the wild card game they had last year, 308 total snaps. And he did all that in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, looks like 10 games. Uh, so he got quite a bit of burn, but they had some injuries last year, didn't they? Uh, the the Chargers, Chargers always have injuries. Yeah. It feels like, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure they did. Yeah. So uh, I think, uh, let's see, going into last year, though, he had, looks like, uh, 140 total career snaps up until last year. So uh, I haven't watched him yet. You've watched him. Uh, but, you know, is that pretty much your thoughts on him? Uh, just per- pretty much an early down run guy. Yeah, essentially base package. You know, nose tackle, shade. Not going to play in sub package. Not going to be a three tech and offer no juice as a pass rusher. He's got a little bit of uh, of activity with his hands, and so some one gapping, being able to you know disengage and uh, use his club well to to be able to quickly get off of blocks early in the rep. Um, but other than that, there's not a lot of quickness. Um, there's not a lot of foot speed. He's got no pass rush plan. There's no pass rush moves, not even a good like bull. I mean, there's really nothing there. He just kind of leans on guys, but um, he can't hold the point of attack when he keeps his pad level low. He's played in a three, four, he's done some run stunts again. Occasionally he can fight off of blocks and uh, force running backs to change paths. So it is, I compared it to, and I know that this guy was more of an end and a bit taller, but like an LT Walton, like pure run stuffer, really not going to offer anything as a pass rusher, but somebody that can functionally play the run. I forgot to look. What's his arm length? Do you know? Uh, 32 and an eighth at okay. six, two and three quarters. So he's not very long, uses the arms. Okay. To create some space, but uh, he's, you know, he's not a particularly heavy guy. Came out 301. I don't know what his weight is now. It's probably about 310, 315. So He's not this fire hydrant, uh, but when he keeps his pads down, plays with leverage, I mean, he could hold the point of attack, but he will play too high and uh, not use his hands well enough, and he can get washed. Okay. Undoubtedly, this should be a, uh, let's see, when did he come into the league? 2000 and what? 20. 20. So he has just three. Uh, this just might be a minimal deal because he, he doesn't even have. A C three. He doesn't even have four, four, four accredited seasons in yet. He's yeah, this should be in. should be about for the minimum, I would say. Yeah. So um, again, adding some experience there on the real cheap, that's fine. Again, not preventing this team from adding a nose tackle if they want to. I don't know exactly what the draft plan is, but it's not going to stop you from getting, say, Keanu Benton, who you know, obviously is a much better player, going to offer more pass rush juice and impact and collapse in the pocket. So um, get the move, you know, with Alu Alu gone free agent retired whatever he's doing he's not going to be a stealer in 23 obviously montrevis adams underwhelming 2022 season disappointing year overall so get somebody in there on the cheap and that's fine by me i would call both these signings kind of you know not necessarily who they were but but kind of predictable fill 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 some holes before the draft type uh type signings yeah, that's it doesn't sound great on the bumper sticker, but that's right. exactly what they are. They are very cheap scheme and role specific guys. They do very, you know, they don't do a lot of things well, but they're just here for particular reasons. And that's basically Fahoko, eat some blockers in the run game, Neil be a box guy, 
be able to tackle, have some impact plays as a hitter. Like that is basically why these guys are coming in. Okay. And they're cheap, which is always <laughs> what you're looking for here in, in, on, in March uh, 30th. So yeah, neither one, the of, neither one of these should move the cap needle much at all. Right. Nor the draft needle. It's not moving needles is basically uh, what happened today. One that could move the needle if it does happen is Bud Dupree, who mentioned earlier, came in for a visit, took a physical according to the PPG's Jerry Dulac. No contract talk uh, was discussed, though numbers being thrown around. Um, so that's the word on Dupree. So I don't really know what to make of it. I guess it was a check in for Pittsburgh to see where he's at health wise. It's obviously the first uh, obstacle. Check the medical. Uh, I don't know how well that went. And is Pittsburgh waiting until the draft to, to see what they get or don't get and then might try to come back to Dupree. I don't know, but that's the latest word on Dupree was in Pittsburgh today. They take a physical um, is currently without a deal. It's a step in the right direction. Yeah. But what's the next step? I guess yeah. is the question. Where does it go from here? We'll see. I, I do not know. I think uh, uh, you, you hope that he passed the physical and then if he did, then it would come down to numbers. I would, I would guess. Right. And what those numbers are, what does he want coming off that mega deal from Tennessee, but obviously struggling with the Titans and is now 30 and it's not going to get anywhere close to the monster contract that Tennessee gave him just a couple of years ago. Um, He'll have to accept a lesser role, obviously a lot less money. Those are things that logically we can all understand why he has to do that, but there's some pride involved and we'll see what he's willing to do. Okay. All right, so that's the uh, Bud Dupree, a little bit of an update there from the draft perspective as Pro Day's finishing up tomorrow, Friday, basically the last day of the major Pro Days. Again, there are some individual workouts um, in in April, Devon Witherspoon, uh, Wanye Morris, just some guys like that, some guys that had some medical issues that could not work out at their regular Pro Day. But basically, the the slate uh, is wrapping up here. Still, though, some important information for us to talk about today. Pat Meyer, Pittsburgh Steelers O-line coach, Pat Meyer at Tennessee to watch the big name there in Darnell Wright. And so that uh, certainly had our attention, Dave. Yeah. And didn't you uh, 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 start the morning off with finding him from the day before? Oh, yeah. He was at NC State as well, which is kind of interesting. Um, They have a guy there, Chandler, how do you say his last name? Zavala, I believe, who was one of those big combine snubs. And they got another guy there, uh, Grant Gibson, who's been a a longtime center. So Pat Meyer has been at five different pro days this year. And for a positional coach, based on our history, that is a lot of pro days for one coach to attend. Right. And how much do you read into this team looking you know, seemingly, uh, not necessarily just him, but uh, uh, I think Sadowski, what Sadowski at, at Arkansas? Who, who was at uh, Arkansas? I, I think so. I know he was at Sadowski was at Florida today, right? Right. Uh, or was it somebody uh, where, where, where Ricky uh, Stromberg was at? Yeah, it wasn't Meyer. It might have been Sadowski, but you're right. They've still paid attention to some interior guys, even after signing Herbig and, and say Malu. They were at NC State. Uh, some of the guys to bring in for a visit, Steve Avila from TCU as a, a top 30 with right. Pittsburgh. And so that's an interior guy, center, guard type. So Pittsburgh, despite you would think being done at guard, is there something at center they're looking at? Are they even trying to add more guards to this thing? They have not stopped doing their homework on those interior offensive linemen. All right. And I think uh, Tony Pauline com- confirmed uh, tonight after the uh, uh, Florida Pro Day, which we already knew this, but he confirmed, reconfirmed it. I think uh, Osiris Torrance is still uh, scheduled to come in for a uh, pre-draft visit as well, too. So uh, I- I'll say this. I don't think you can roll out still at this point. I don't think you can roll out center, you know. 
yeah, this one position, I mean, obviously interior, I mean, it's going to be Daniel Saymalu as your starters, Herbert as your backup. I don't know what else you could do at guard early. It's got to be centered then. I would think. And uh, an interesting note about Pat Meyer at Tennessee, we've got uh, video proof of him conducting the old line drills there. So that's pretty notable. Yeah, certainly. And, and Wright, obviously, he's the big name. He's played tackle. He's played a bit of guard. Um, I don't know exactly where Pittsburgh projects him at. There's also another guy, too, Jerome Carvin, who's played all over for Tennessee. He's got a lot of a lot of experience there, 43 career starts. So with Wright, we talk about the big guys, the long guys. He's not quite the house that day one Jones is, but we've mentioned Wright for quite some time. And he's a guy that, if history is the indication, without Tomlin, Khan being a Tennessee, again, they were not. With Meyer being there, you say, okay, not first round, probably not first round, but second round 32 if Wright is there. It may, it may come down to, and I'm just kind of spitballing here, it may come down to Daywan Jones and Darnell Wright at 32, and depending on who's there. I think you might be right. And then maybe a center. <laughs> would, they take, would they take two offensive linemen with their first four picks? <laughs> you know? I mean, they're pretty committed to upgrading this thing, but that feels extremely. I mean, Cole was, you know, fine last year. He's not a top tier center, but they do need a backup. But you're not going right. to necessarily draft that guy in the third round for for backup uh, purposes, right? But I mean, you you would open up if you did. You'd open up the opportunity to at least push for the job. You would think, you know? Yeah, if you draft any of those guys early, you know, top three rounds. I mean, you're, you're saying this guy's got a good chance to start. Going to come, going to come in and compete and try to play right away. So I don't know. I still. Still wonder if they're really going to take a guard center that early. I think they're still more likely to take a tackle at the top, but obviously you can't rule these things out. Well, you only have still at this point three tackles on the contract, and you know one of them uh, borderline, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> and and Laraven Clark, yeah, right. absolutely. Uh so I mean, I, I think the biggest takeaway, and I, I think Josh Carney had had a terrible take about this. Uh, earlier in the day is uh, it, it does seem like they've paid some paid paid some attention to to the top centers because remember the uh, Ohio State Center was was also at that pro day as well too and yep. and he he's one of the top two or three centers in his class and John Michael Schmitz came in for a visit on March 24th and right. so uh, they've done their homework on those guys and at first you thought okay well they didn't know it at the time maybe if they were going to get some of these guards and so they were doing their homework both on for agent options and the draft but even after the signed sealed delivered contracts of Herbig and say Malu you know torments is still coming in they were at NC State um, you know they're still showing interest in some of those interior guys okay so they're, they're we'll going to, to draft uh, they're going to draft at least one offensive lineman we know that <laughs> yeah from there how do you narrow it down from there is kind of the the big money question. Mm-hmm. All right. One other guy that was in Pittsburgh today, not named Bud Dupree. It was Joey Porter Jr. And so he came in for a visit according to the uh, Post-Gazette. Now he is not, he's a, considered a local visit, not going to count against the top 30 because um, I don't even know if it's the Penn State thing. It may be, but he's a hometown kid from the Pittsburgh area. So hometown counts as well, where you grew up, where you played your high school ball. So Porter comes in as a visit, but does not count against the top 30. And I know that people say, well, why, why bring this guy in? Tomlin knows him extremely well. Relationship with Joey Porter, watching literally Joey Porter Jr. grow up, um, you know, playing his high school football. Um, but still good to get eyes on these guys and, and bring them in now and talk to positional coaches and all those things. So um, despite Tomlin Khan not being at that, at that Penn State Pro Day, this visit, Andy Weidel being at Penn State, Brown, Austin being uh, there as well, you know, Porter Jr. is still very much in play at 17. Why wouldn't you bring him in if it's a free pass, you know? 
especially yeah. if you got sights on <laughs> making them your 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 first round pick, you know. Yeah, and uh, just as they've had, they've had eyes on the interior offensive line, they've had their eyes on corners as well with Porter. Um, so when I was coming in for a visit, that was revealed today. Julius Brents from Kansas State. We know they've uh, have scheduled visits with Keely Ringo from Georgia, Tyreek Stevenson from the U, Emmanuel Forbes from Mississippi State. So it kind of feels like that second round, thirty two, forty nine, might be the place for corner if it's not going to be a guy like uh, like Porter at seventeen. Yeah, I would agree, and uh, uh, I think uh, we have a couple of wide receivers on their radar too, right? Yeah, now that's going to be Jonathan Mingo from Old Miss, Charlie Jones from Purdue, and so those are kind of now Jones played mostly outside at Purdue. He might project more inside at the next level. Mingo's played outside and inside as that kind of big slot type, and so again, you're seeing. Going off the discussion that we had on Wednesday about the different body types you can have at slot, what Pittsburgh will gravitate towards, you've kind of gotten a different feel with Jones versus Jonathan Mingo. Yeah, uh, it does feel, though, that they, whatever whatever flavor it ends up being, it, it does feel like they might be seriously interested in a receiver at somewhere in this draft. Yeah, now the question is where and who and what that skill set is. I want to try to find a... a um, quote that I had read from Andy Weidel. This was back in, I believe it was 2020, and it was something that Weidel said, asking about their receiver, uh, kind of just the evolution of the receiver position, and here's what Andy Weidel said. Um, he said, quote, it's become a space game, and it's become a game of matchups and spreading people out, receivers that can win on all three levels early, top of the route, and guys that can stretch the field. It's become a one-on-one league and a space game and guys that can win and guys that can go above the rim and, and play the football. It's really evolved into that, I believe. And so what's a takeaway there? Nothing really earth shattering. He wants guys who can get open and win one V one matchups and guys who can go up and get the football. Um, but that's kind of Weidel's seemingly philosophy on what he wants in a wide receiver. All right. That's, that's good info there. Uh, I got a question for you that I was thinking about when it comes to Joey Porter. Sure. Uh, do you have any concerns about who he is and, and who his dad is and the relationship with Mike Tomlin or, or is that just uh, something that, in other words, are you, wor- are you worried about football dad here? Are you worried that, are you saying that, are they taking him just because of the relationship? No, and I, are you, I'm, I'm talking about after the fact of taking him. explain that in a sense that do you think Porter is going to be too Porter senior is going to be too involved in like trying to coach him? Yeah. yeah, Or or too much in Mike Tomlin's ear on some things, you know, just a football dad, you know? Yeah. Nah, I mean, probably wouldn't be the first to try to get in contact. I mean, obviously there's there's a different relationship there between, you know, Joey Porter senior and Mike Tomlin, but Porter's no longer in the organization. Um, I'm sure he can blow up Tomlin's phone all he wants, but that's not really a concern to me. Okay. It's just something that uh, I thought I'd bring up. I think if you think about a concern, it might be, is that just going to be one of those comfort things that like we know this guy so well, and obviously Porter Jr. is a quality player, but is it going to be, well, you know, it, it's that too easy dots to connect there and you don't think about it too much and you make a, a bad decision just because of, uh, you know, the guy. So, well, I guess that might be the concern there with taking Joey Porter Jr. Okay. But um, obviously I think, you know, Porter's still one of the top corners in this class. Really, there's a case to be made against taking Porter at 17. It's it's how deep this cornerback class is. And can you find a really good corner in the second round? You absolutely can at 32 and probably at 49. And so could you try to take something else at 17 where maybe that depth is not quite as strong? To me, that's probably the biggest argument against taking a guy like Porter at 17. 
I think uh, one of one of the biggest mysteries, you know, we've talked about this ever since uh, since uh, Omar Khan you know, became GM and all is uh, are we be able uh, will, will this year year be another year that we'll be able to circle that they were at the pro day of the first round draft pick? You know, yeah, Porter would be my, my, minus minus Porter with a with with a well deserved asterisk. Yeah, although it'd be one of those things we'd always have to explain for the next like fifteen years, sure. so, except for that one time with Porter. But we, you know, like we'd be saying that in twenty thirty one, and you just kind of get uh, tired of saying that. I, I think I think that streak will continue, and uh, who that guy's going to be, you know, I don't know. Um, haven't thought about it in depth, but I think the streak of you know they're going to be at the pro day of one of these first round picks. I think that streak will live on. Okay. All right. Uh, how surprised were you that we didn't have, I mean, you'd have to think the meetings are over, right? There, or did Tomlin go, do we know Tomlin went back to Pittsburgh today and, and was there for, for, for Bud Dupree and all, or I, I guess we don't really know if where Tomlin was today. He wasn't at any pro day. No, he's probably getting back in town. I think the league meetings wrapped up Wednesday. He probably was in the building at some capacity. Um, I don't know how much he, had a conversation with Dupree, maybe casually, but I think today was probably more about the physical and you know, let's get you medically figured out and see, see kind of where you're at and proceed from there. Um, are you asking about meetings in terms of pre-draft visits or, or what are you asking about? No, I, no I'm talking about, uh, I mean, I, I, I kind of envisioned him showing up at Tennessee today, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's, you know, you never know for sure. And Tennessee has a, you know, a fair amount of quality prospects, but um, I feel like they're done with their pro day. I feel like obviously, you know, they just probably they traveled so much and, you know, Wright was at the senior bowl. So they got eyes on him there and met with him down there and met with him at the combine, I'm sure. So they probably felt like they've done quite a bit of homework on Dono, right? Uh, even though they know him pretty well, were you surprised Dunbar was not at uh, Florida or at least that we know of? Yeah, a little bit. I thought again, he might go there because again, his son works there. Just kind of a good excuse to to go see him. But um, I imagine with Dexter coming in for a pre-draft visit and with Dunbar being at the combine, putting Dexter and the other D linemen through drills, I, it's probably enough comfort there. So I, I thought he would be, um, but I guess yeah, it's I not. Did. Yeah, yeah, not too terribly surprising that uh, that he wasn't. I don't know. It's Florida State's pro day today. That's that's tomorrow, isn't it? No, I thought I think it was t- it today. It today too. I have to check. Um, there's no defensive lineman there. I just think about the, the safety, Jamie Robinson, and. Uh, who was well, there for? Well, we know Ike Taylor and uh, who was at Florida? Ike Sadowski, Taylor and that was Mark Sadowski. Sadowski. Yeah, yeah, that was your uh, your eagle eye on that one. So I know that Ike put some of those TBs through drills. There's that safety there, Trey Dean, who did not test well, but has some size and probably better tape than what the testing suggests. And so Florida's got a couple of those guys. They got a bunch of them. Ventral Miller, a linebacker. Um, of course, Osiris Torrance, a guard. Uh, there's a pretty good group down there at Florida. Uh, let's see here. I don't know. It says Florida has its pro day tomorrow. So maybe it is tomorrow for Florida state. Okay. I mean, that would make sense. Cause if you put it both in the same day, you're kind of having to probably pick which right. one, uh, scouts and teams want to go to. So that would make sense. I just want to go back to just kind of off topic or kind of bouncing off the receiver discussion that we had. And maybe I'm, maybe I'm a prisoner of the moment here and call me on it. If I am of, of Josh downs, the receiver from North Carolina, having uh, that comment that one of the scouts, we presume Dan Rooney Jr. coming up to him after his workout and saying that was one of the cleanest workouts uh, I've ever seen or seen in recent years. But I think Josh Downs is a really interesting fit in Pittsburgh for his ability to win 1v1, that vertical speed. I know there's the redundancy concern with Calvin Austin, but this guy checks all those boxes in terms of being really confident, kind of the alpha guy. He does play big. He can go above the rim and play above 
uh, his frame. He's got the NFL bloodlines. His dad, Gary, played in the NFL for like six seasons. His sister's married to Dre Bly, the Pro Bowl cornerback. Like, there's a lot of things about Josh Downs, I think, that would be useful and would work well in Pittsburgh's offense. Yeah, he could catch the ball and run with it, too. You know? Yeah. Yeah. 100% a big yak guy. Yeah. Uh, you know, where. Where is he in the food chain of the of this year's wide receiver class? Probably, I don't know, sixth, seventh, fifth, yeah, sixth, seventh. That, that sounds roughly right. Um, I don't know exactly where he made the comment that his agent was hearing. You know, twenty five to forty five in terms of the range that he would go. So maybe that, you know, fourth receiver off the board, but it could be a bit high. It wouldn't surprise me if he was like the the third guy after, say, Jackson Smith and Jigba and Quentin Johnston from TCU, and then kind of from there it might be Addison, it might be. Uh, downs it might be somebody else but i think pittsburgh 32 if he slips at 49 becomes really attractive mm-hmm. i would agree so just had the thought again i know and again it's the and i don't mean to belabor the point but do you want the small guy that's kind of similar to calvin austin or do you want the big guy but you don't know is he going to be used in that canada's offense the way that slot receivers seem to be used in terms of the gadget stuff and jet sweeps and orbit motions and all that kind of stuff so I just to, to reiterate the point I made on the last podcast, you know, what type of slot guy, if they do draft one, who will that be? I'm really anxious to find out. How much did they, where, where did he snap spot position last year? Would you, Downs? Downs. Let's see. He, uh, let's see if I got this uh, slot, uh, 529 snaps out of slot last year, uh, okay. 122 out wide. All right, that sounds about right. And 28 in the backfield, even. Yeah, a guy that you can win on a lot of levels, has even some minor punt return ability. Um, and so, you know, that's a guy that I think at least fits. Am I saying he'll be the pick? No, I'm not saying that, but I just think he's a really interesting guy that would be an exciting player in this offense. I think they do want speed with it, whether it's a big slot guy or a you know, smaller you know, guy or whatever the receiver type is, they want somebody that can stretch the field vertically. Yeah, he does seem kind of size-wise redundant to 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 Calvin Austin the third, though, right? Yeah, again, he's small. I mean, he's what five eight, a buck seventy one. I mean, he is not a big guy. I think he does play bigger than that frame. Some of the advanced metrics, I think, bear that out. Um, but again, I mean, with Calvin Austin, you don't know what you're going to get. Let's say Calvin right. Austin doesn't that's become anything. I've, then that's I want one, one thing I've stretched since I, I yeah, haven't seen right. him. You know, right. And so, in in and if the worst, it, 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 what what problems to have if both Calvin Austin and that small slot receiver are both good players? Oh, I think you can figure it out. You right. never said you had too many good players. So if that's the worst case scenario of you have two really uh, attractive big play, you know, small slot receivers, you'll be able to make that work. And so um, I don't really see it as the issue that maybe some other people do. Okay. All right. I went, what else I, I went back looking at uh, making sure I had my senior bowl uh, people marked and all like that, because either it's going to be an underclassman, you know, or that first pick is going to be somebody that was at that senior bowl, probably, you know? Yeah, that's kind of been the trend, the way that it's gone for Pittsburgh. Um, now it's 17. I mean, who do you think the leaders at 17 are? Porter, Brzee, you still putting Brzee in there? Yeah, yeah uh, I, I think they, I like him better at 32, personally. But okay, uh, I mean, I said right out of shoot, I think they like him, you know. So, uh, if you want to talk about guys that you could be Steelers and be that first round draft pick and be that guy holding up the jersey in the press conference, uh, I could definitely see Porter being that guy, uh, I could definitely see uh, Brazil being that guy, uh, Brian Branch, 
Not so much. I'm struggling with that still. Is that with just the I, I overall see, athletic profile or just what's the I, issue? Just, just all of it uh, uh, into one. Uh, and, and yeah, the athletic profile. I mean, the tape, the, the tape shows a playmaker. Yeah. I mean, really high IQ versatile guy. And Lord knows we know we've, we've talked that this team needs, needs a slot, right? Yeah, I guess for me, the question with Branch is exactly where he fits. Is he right. a slot? Is he a strong safety? I mean, he's a chess piece, but sometimes with the chess pieces, you don't know where to put him. And this is not a one-to-one comparison, but I think about Isaiah Simmons. He's a, oh, he's a chess piece. He can play linebacker. He can play safety. He can play overhang. He can play you know, slot corner, but you're not really quite sure how to use him, how he fits in your system, how that affects other guys. And so without a defined plan, especially for a first-round pick, there's a risk there. Mm-hmm. But I mean, he, you know, all the other boxes of, of, you know, them being at the pro day and even Grady Brown working those guys out. I mean, he, you, you can't say no. And, you know, and obviously what he's an underclassman too, a declared, a, a declared kid. So, uh, uh, you know, other, other than the overall, overall RAS score, I mean, there's no reason to, to eliminate him. I don't think out of the positive. I, he's another one of those ones that I feel I would feel better at at 32. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not eliminating him from 17. I think he fits and he'll be one of those shortlist guys that checks every box. And the only thing against him probably historically is some of the, the RAS score, the kind of the, the is spark score, still, spark score still a thing. Peace I haven't even that? checked because I last I, I it's been a while. So I, I, I think I think uh, that guy hollered. Uh, I submit uh, once RAS <laughs> came, came on, came Aww. on the scene here, you know, rip peace spark, but RAS is, is very useful. And, um, you know, what was Branch's RAS score anyway? What was the exact number? It was like uh, five something, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't because obviously he ran Slayer in a four, five, eight. And so I don't know what his other testing was. Uh, five, oh, eight, according to uh, Kentley Platt. So okay. pretty, yeah, pretty poor number. Right. So uh, let's see who, who, who else. I mean, obviously, if one of those tackles were to were to slip uh, in, 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 in Paris or. Uh, George's uh Roderick Jones, yeah. Roderick Jones, you know, you you would think those guys uh would would be in the picture there. Uh but I, I think as far as what I think many people expect, kind of maybe at this stage expect could could go. Uh Porter, Brzee, I guess Branch. Mm-hmm. What other? I mean, can you can you roll out uh Van Ness? Even though it's a weird, I'd be very surprised if it was Van Ness. I guess you can't because Tomlin was there, right? It just feels like such a round peg, square hole situation, redundant. Yeah. You know about Daywan Jones. I know we kind of had this conversation a couple times, but he's another. I mean, that? I mean, I don't think you can rule him out because of of the pro day and because mm-hmm. you know, uh, Eric. No, I don't think you can. But he's yet another one that I feel better at. 32 or, or the next pick after that, you know? So no, I don't think, right. I don't think you can roll them out. Uh, Who else yeah. do you put in then? Okay. So you got, we got four that you can't rule out. I, I'm going to, I'm going to rule out Van Ness, even though I, I just okay. said you can't, but just putting him aside for a second, anybody else that should be in that conversation, uh, a Trenton Simpson from Clemson. It doesn't feel like it. It feels like there's too yeah. much, too much, too much. Uh, con- there There's progression that needs to be made there. It'd be hard to get him on the field. You know, and that's another way to look at it too. You know, you know, whoever their first round draft pick is, they're going to get on the field. 
Yeah, yeah, 100%. Right? Yeah, they, they, and they it, will. And it would make, uh, you know, I, I suppose, you know, you could map out a way to get Simpson on the field, but it, if that feels like more of a chore, uh, same in, in the same thing with Van Ness and all, you know, obviously you can get a tackle on the field. You can get, uh, uh, uh you can get a cornerback on the field early. You can obviously get a defensive lineman in some way, shape or form on the field. Uh, what else? Yeah. I think those are the, you know, the safety. If you want to get him on the field that you mentioned that, um, you know, right away. Mm-hmm. So I, I think if it's a Clemson defender, I think it's Brzee. It's going to be somebody at 17. I really think they like him, man. Yeah, really I'm with do. you. We've both been saying that probably longer than than a lot of Steelers places um, for the, the tools and the traits, the mental toughness, and they want I just, that next I wish it. his arms were longer. Yeah, that's the one thing on him. I, I just say he's kind of like Tua, but doesn't have the length that Tua had. Um, but and, I think other than that. And I don't hate Joey Porter. It's just I have, and I've said this several times throughout this, I, I just, I have this bias against you know, I want closer to the football, you know, uh, players in the first round, the old Bill Parcells, uh, you know, way of, of doing business, get a guy that can, you know, either up front, a guy can get after a quarterback, you got to protect the quarterback or, or a quarterback. And we know it's not going to be quarterback. You know? So, <laughs> right. uh, it's just, you know, it's just a bias when it comes to that, you know, how much, I guess the question is how much better in his rookie season, would Joey Porter make you? Yeah, I mean, those are always really hard to say um, because that, um, I mean, he'd be a sub package player to start probably. Well, if you go nickel, how does that look with Peterson, Wallace, Porter Jr., who's playing inside? I mean, you could, I don't know exactly how you make right. that work. Right. I mean, they're going to draft a corner high. So, I mean, it's going to be something they're going to have to encounter. I know that Peterson, they've talked about the versatility there. Again, I don't know if it's going to be like, He's in every down safety. I don't think that's going to be the case, but yeah, I, I, I think it'll be, I think it'll be front seven interior offensive line, interior defensive line. Um, they've just overlooked that for so long. Last time they took an offensive lineman or defensive lineman top two rounds was 2011 or 2012. It's been a decade. Are so, we missing any other uh, Tomlin? Let's see. Tomlin and Khan. Uh, this was from March 22nd. I have here. They went to Clemson, Georgia, Michigan, what about Mazzy Smith? That's another one, I guess. I mean, it, it, it just 17 feels rich yeah. for him. I think he's a 32 guy. I don't, I mean, you can't rule again. We're like, you know, having that, that caveat can't rule it out for 17, but I really well, we're, we're ruling them out. We're ruling them out with our own bias or with our own. What yeah. We, what we think we know, you know, I know, but at some point you got to draw a line somewhere. I, know. I mean, you know, Jack Campbell, do we put him at, you know, 17? That feels rich too. Yeah, right. So then it kind of goes to a 32 guy. So you're trying to like, obviously you got to check that box and you have to kind of really feel like you're a first round guy. So, you know, once again, the, the list up and they haven't been anywhere after Alabama, right? I can try to check here. I don't think they um, did. Cause I think the league meeting started after that, did, after, after the Alabama meeting, right? That sounds right. Just give me a second here to try to pull up the list. It went Clemson, Georgia, Michigan, Iowa, Iowa State, Ohio State, Alabama. Let me just double check. Yeah, you're right on that. So, yeah, nowhere since Alabama, and I assume they won't be anywhere on Friday. So call call their trips done. I think even Con made uh, that much of a reference uh, during league meetings. And I guess technically you could throw Penn State in there for <laughs> – 
because they know the kid, you know, but and Weidel, technically there was a GM of some capacity right. there. So I'm going to hold on to that very technical technicality. So, I mean, so we've narrowed it down to Brzee. Uh, anybody from Georgia, you know, other than somebody slipping. I mean, Jones. Yeah. But as you said, slipping Keely Ringo again, is one of those are bias and our thoughts come in a bit. 17 feels too rich. 32, 49, 49, ideally probably for Ringo. All right, in Michigan, it it it, it feels like uh, uh, Mazzy, if they were, were to go that way with a 17th overall pick out of Michigan, right? Yeah, there's no one else there. Some other later round guys they could target, but no one else even in the conversation for 17. And Iowa's just really, for the most part, uh, Jack Jack Campbell, right? Yeah, I mean, again, Van Ness is probably going to yeah, be a Van first Ness. round pick, but I just, I just edged that high. I think they need to add some edge guys, but not in the first round. And neither one of those kids from Iowa State are 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 are, are first rounders, right? Oh, well, but Will McDonald might. I mean, he's kind of been the quote unquote riser. Um, I don't know exactly where he's going to go, but again, like Van Ness, I just don't see it. And then Ohio State, you got the two tackles. Yeah, again, Johnson will be gone. Daywan Jones becomes kind of your wild card. And then Alabama's branch. Right, no one else in Bama that you could consider, right? No, right? no. I'm just thinking out loud. Okay, all right. So I think that's kind of your as we see her today, and I still gonna run through it. And once probably for Monday, I'll have kind of a pro day <laughs> recap and tabulate all the things we've looked. We had a great year, kind of scouting these guys. I think our best year ever. So kudos to you. You've been really hot lately finding some of these guys. Um, so I think it'll be really useful for us to to cobble all this information together from our tracker and try to make some conclusions. It's sad where I can really v- visually spot these guys on demand. And even that long distance is blurry <laughs> as, as, as well too. Uh, you know, like You've I learned well. Yeah. You know, like Ike Taylor uh, walking with, with Sadowski early, you know, uh, from a distance, I said, that's gotta be Ike Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> you can just kind of tell, like yeah. you can just kind of feel the shape and I don't know. I've had the same thing. Yeah, for sure. I tell you, scouts don't take a large selection of clothes changes. <laughs> <laughs> they, they travel light and, and thank goodness for that. Cause it makes these guys easy to spot. And, uh, um, uh, Mark, uh, uh, Gadowski uh, and that yellow hat. And oh, that, oh, Mike Butler. Yeah. Mike, or, no, or Mark Gorsick. Uh, Gors- yeah. Gorsick with the yellow hat. Uh, yeah. uh, Mike Butler with, with that old hat and the purple, purple clipboard. <laughs> I mean, uh, some of these guys you can spot very, and, and, uh, uh, who's the one with the glasses? Uh, uh Calvin Phil, Fisher. Cal- the, yeah, Calvin those Fisher. glasses so easy uh, to find. Just look for the glasses. Yeah. We're gonna get some restraining order sent at our house. If that, if that guy Monday. ever showed up without his glasses and uh, and without a hat, we might not recognize him. Like a total Clark Kent. Take the glasses off. You're like, who the heck is this? Is this Superman? I don't know. Yeah, 100. percent And then, uh, oh, even the other one with the beard. Uh, uh, Chris Watts, yeah, yeah, Chris Watts has been easy. Yeah, that spot. beard, yeah. that beard gives it away all the all, every time as well too with him. So yeah, and like Mark Sadowski just kind of has I don't know, just kind of has like this big, and it's gonna sound mean. I'm not trying to make this sound mean, but like divorced dad energy. I just kind of mm. see him hanging out there. So he's been easy to spot. Who's been hard to spot this year? I think overall it's been pretty good. Uh, I tell you, there's been a few times where I've 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 kind of wondered if I was looking at Pat Meyer or not. You know, mm. he's he's kind of to me a a, a tough one. I, you've done most of the spotting on him, I think. I think. Yeah, he's got like this like weird like broad shoulder like stocky body type. And I realize I'm getting way into in depth talking about this stuff and sounding super. Dun- super Dunbar's cool. obviously easy to easy to spot. Uh, who else? Uh, Brady Brown can be a little bit tough, but I think we've got an. Terrell Austin because of the the graying now. He yeah. uh, if he shaves that beard, we might be in trouble. Grady's. <laughs> 
Grady, if you can get a shot of his face, some yeah. any any shot of Grady Brown's face, you can tell it's him. Anyway, uh, yeah, so, we need help. Yeah, we, we it's unhinged behavior. But you guys love us for it, and we'll have hopefully a pro day kind of tabulator and some recaps uh, for Monday or Tuesday. So uh, that's all I got, Dave. Anything else you want to add? You know, feel free. Uh, are we missing anything here as far as visits or news go? I think we hit most of it, right? Yeah, I believe so. So working away on the visit list, we're almost up to the half the known guys. Um, so that, that's good. And that's not bad before even the, you know, April hits. I, I think we're probably a little bit further along in that list than we, than we normally are. Yep. Yep. I think so. Uh, let's see. Todd Gensler writes in, we'll take one, one or two of these questions here. Hey fellas, I know much of you, uh, how much you like playing blues, blues clues during the draft, looking at what the Steelers are doing right now and comments made by both Omar Khan and Mike Tomlin. Here's what I deduct. He says they will pick a D lineman with the top two picks. It's a position they have not addressed at all during free agency, especially nose tackle. Well, obviously he said this before uh, Braden was signed. Uh, but uh, we feel you there. Tomlin made a uh, point in his press conference that they were going to continue to, to address the run. That being said, I cannot see them passing up an offensive tackle in the top three picks. I think that's, you know, I think that's obviously, you know, uh, uh, you know, proper analysis there, Todd. He says, I hate the idea of picking a wide receiver early as the cornerbacks and tight ends are very deep this year. This is another position they haven't addressed and there are many to choose from. Yeah, Alex and I have talked too. If it really feels like they're going to draft a wide receiver at some point. Uh, he says, finally, if you had to pick which is most likely to happen, uh, trade the 49 and 17 to move up in the top 10 or trade the 17 and move back to get more compensation later and possibly a fifth. So he wants to know what's more likely, move up to 10 or trade back from 17. I mean, we're all just going to guess because who the heck knows right. if you, if you made me, if you made me choose though, based on like what the idea Omar Khan has. And again, it's not just his decision. It's Tomlin and Art Rooney. The second, um, he's got, I think a pretty strong, uh, voice in that room, especially in the first round. But Khan has mentioned so many times about, you know, I'll be aggressive if I, if there's a guy that I want to get and some of that's GM speak, they all say it, but I think he'd be more likely to go up and be really aggressive as opposed to, to trading back at 17, at least. Who would he go up and get? Paris they, Johnson. Uh, yeah, I, I would agree. That would be the one guy because he's got the more starts than than uh, than the Georgia. Uh, Paris is ready. Paris should be plug and play. Hundred percent. Day one left is, tackle. Is there anyone else that that you could see them going up to go get within there? It checks the boxes. Really, no. I mean, I would love a Christian Gonzalez, but he's not checking the boxes that uh, would suggest any sort of aggressive move. Right. So, I mean, a Broderick Jones, if it's like two, three spots, maybe something like that that's less extreme than maybe a top 10 pick for Paris Johnson. So, loosely, one of the tackles, not Skronsky. I don't think Skronsky's on the radar, um, you know, largely speaking, but Jones or Johnson. I would agree. I would say it's move up Paris or bust. Uh, personally, if, 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 if forced to choose, which one I think they would most likely do at this point. And it's just, it's just speculation. I would say move back from 17 because they could, you know, if they picked up another, I don't know, second or third because of it, they could make that work a lot. Say, say you got a, a third and a fifth or something to move back, back a couple of spots. Yeah. I mean, there's value in that. And I've been, you know, on record saying, I think they will end up picking in the fifth or sixth round some way, somehow. So yeah, I mean, it's, it all depends on what the board looks like. 
what the offer is, all those factors. Uh, let's see. He says, I know there are several players away. I hope just, I just hope they land on a franchise type player in the first or second to build around. Steelers always approach the season like they are one or two players away from the Super Bowl. It says, really appreciate your coverage during this busy season. Hey, we enjoyed doing it. Thanks for the uh, uh, email there, Todd. Let me see if we can maybe get to one more before we get out of here. Uh Great pod from James uh, Susanelli, David Knight's great podcast and website. Seems like the Steelers will draft an, a tackle, a cornerback, a safety, a defensive lineman, a wide receiver, a mental linebacker, and a quarterback in the seventh round, not necessarily in that order. Those seem almost to be givens, he says. Draft scenarios, instead of picking one position to go at 17 and another at 32, et cetera, uh, he says cornerback or safety that you don't take kind of need tight end kind of a need he writes but we only have five picks before the draft uh desert of the fifth and sixth rounds he says trying to use the process of elimination backwards what positions are deepest in the 49 80 or 120 range that that they might skip in the 17 to 30 17 or 32 picks i guess i see what he's saying here Mm -hmm. uh I would say, and Alex hit on this earlier, it feels like cornerbacks a little bit deeper for kind of what they look for. So I get, I, I, I'm not saying that they'll do this, but I mean, I, I, I could foresee them bypassing a corner, you know, and look, there's only really kind of, I think most would agree. There's only the three really that seem to be in play. Unless, uh, it depends on what you think at banks at 17, I guess. But, uh, mm-hmm. uh, I could foresee them if Porter was, because obviously if those top three off the board, they're, they're probably going to go another position. But it, but if you're mm-hmm. trying to say if if one of those, uh, if a cornerback like Porter, I guess what I'm trying to say is if if they, I could for I could see them possibly passing on Porter at 17 because they feel comfortable about that being a deeper group. Yeah, I think so as well. Now, I think whenever you talk about, you know, can you project depth at pick 80 and, and things like that, that's that's hard to do because generally the depth is gone by that that point. There's runs on the position, and so you might not find, you know, great depth there. But when you're talking about, okay, should we take this position at 17 or can we get the guy at 32 or, or 49, that's kind of where that depth conversation more so comes into play. So cornerback's deep, tight end's deep. Um, Wide receiver's are- not bad. <laughs> Yeah, it's not top heavy, but there is good depth, and I think wide receiver is always deep, just the nature of the college game. So, yeah, those and, are probably... I, and I think center. There's, I mean, it seems to be a couple of centers, yeah. you know, that uh, a fairly more a more top heavy center class than kind of normal, right? Yeah, I think you know guys that don't get talked about too much. Patterson from Notre Dame, the center from Michigan's a really underrated guy. No one talks about him. Stromberg, Ricky, you know, yeah, mid, mid, middle of the pack kind of guy. Uh, Scroggs there. from Penn State's gaining right. some buzz. So yeah, I think center now guard is a little bit weaker, but I think center specifically, you know, has some strength there. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, uh, and the thing about tackles is once you get past past the, the you know the the perceived top three and 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 including Skronsky in there. It, it all depends on what your thoughts are on, on Daywan Jones. If, uh, and even, but past Daywan, it, there, it feels like there's a pretty good gap there. Yeah. I would say there's the, the top three, if you include Skaronsky in that, then a gap. And then it's right. Jones, Bergeron, 
and then probably more of a gap again. And, and tackles are never deep because those guys go so early. Second round, top 50 picks. You got your good tackles. You're gone just because everybody's looking for a tackle. All right. What do you what do you think about the report about Jalen Carter being pulled off several teams draft boards? Yeah, I really hadn't even seen that too much. I think there was some comment. Uh, I think the Raiders had said that he's still on their board for whatever that's worth. Uh, yeah, I'm sure some teams will have him off. I mean, I don't I don't know if he's on Pittsburgh's board because of the off the field kind of concerns there, despite the uh, the talent that he is. So, um, you know, it's 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 draft season. There's rumors. Hard to know what to believe. I'm sure it's true for. For some teams, but as you say, as the old adage goes, just takes one team. I still think he'll be a top 10 pick. All right. Uh, we are trying to get together a, another draft round table, correct? Yeah, hopefully for a week from today, Friday, if you're listening on March 31st. Uh, so the, the following Friday uh, in April, then hopefully we'll have a round table, probably have maybe one before the draft as well. So maybe two more coming up here because there's so many draft contributors to uh to get their their thoughts and, and voices on, but we'll do something here uh, pretty soon for the for the podcast. Uh, all right, and uh, we appreciate everybody listening. You can follow me on Twitter at Steeders Depot. Follow Alex on Twitter at Alex underscore Kazora. Follow the show at Terrible Podcast. Email the show the Terrible Podcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do and want to donate to the cause, go to SteedersDepot.com. Hit the donate button. Also, if you like an ad free version of, of, of the site, SteedersDepot.com. Hit the ad free button upright navigational bar uh, and we're working through some site problems right now, some sluggishness. So if you if you visit the site, have a little patience here. We're trying to hopefully that, that played a part in us having to knock this out, this podcast out late Thursday night there. But I just want to be uh, uh, up front and let you know that we're trying to work through a couple of site issues here. Hopefully by the time you listen to this, those will be taken care of on Friday morning there. But uh, we do appreciate everybody listening. Got a couple of those great film rooms up by uh, Josh Carney and Alex Kazora on the two new ads. And uh, barring something big happening, and who knows, uh, uh, maybe we'll have another podcast before Monday. But if not, we'll talk to everybody on Monday. So as always, thanks for listening to the Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex. Trying to grab all the groceries in one trip? Oof, not how you would have done that. You know sometimes less is more. Like when you drive less and save with the USAA annual mileage discount. USAA, get a quote today. Hey, hey.